0: It's a peaceful protest. We're walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person,
1: you got to listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard.
2: People are going to look back. Our kids are going to look back at this and say, you were a part of that. I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the 60s. And he
3: was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We got to keep pushing forward.
1: Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison.
2: Welcome back to Forward Progress. Good to have you with us this week. Uh, It is a pigskin special. (laughs) We're going to get in some really cool stuff that's happening Monday Night Football. uh, A really wonderful association with... Uh, Cam Jordan and what's happening with police in New Orleans. But we start off with John Gruden. And my hesitation, Kirk, only is what we're about to get into. You've really got to be a fan of court proceedings. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but it's important that we get into this because with Coach Gruden, um, not just going away and getting litigious with the National Football League and unincorporated association, which matters. In <laughs> yes, it does. Um, this, is, this isn't this is going away. And, and before we get into the weeds, because I got to go get the machete out. We're going to have to cut <laughs> through some things. Yeah. Is this a good thing? Is this a good thing that Coach Gruden is – it's a lot of dough, right? right. So oh, we're yeah. not going to sit here and begrudge what the man is owed. Um, but – or or what his image and hireability will take as a hit for the rest of his career. Uh, but that's self-imposed. Like, this stuff is documented, Kirk. Like, right. there might have been a mounting effort led by the most powerful man in the league office, which I guess is what the Gruden camp is trying to prove here. But what about any of this didn't happen? I guess I'm now working for the, yeah. the defense of this process. I mean, all of this stuff occurred that led to his demise. Uh, I guess there's, there's something else to argue here. I haven't found it yet.
0: Yeah. Well, I think yeah, you're spot on about trying to figure out, hey, what, what's, what's this all about? Uh, number one is that what he did is, is it's in writing. You know, what he said, it's, it's in writing. We, we, we've come to that conclusion. But the one thing that what he's saying is that, yeah, I've made a mistake. But also, a lot of things should have been private between me and someone else. And how come I'm the one being kind of blamed and picked on for comments that I made a long time ago? And I, I get that part of it, too. It's saying that I was speaking in confidence to someone who works for a team and yet an investigation for that team unveiled my emails to an employee, yet they were published. Why is that? And why is the NFL not coming forth with the other emails and just giving us the one line of, well, we didn't see anything else. Well, let's let's let us take a look. We want to see the. Six hundred and fifty thousand plus emails, Jax. That's what he wants to get. That's what this really is all about. How can you but fire? It feels me? like he's trying to bring the house down with. Yeah, yeah. How you going? How am I getting brought down when yet there was clearly other emails? There was other emails that possibly can bring other folks down as well. We've seen already. Of uh, uh, I thought we saw uh, an email that was leaked about Adam Schefter. And and Bruce Allen, who was the acting general manager slash president of operations for the Washington football team that, uh, you know, Adam Schefter had wrote a piece and said, hey, does this sound okay? Do I need to change anything in the piece? So we've seen that there's been communication with others involving the Washington football team. But John Gruden is trying to figure out, hey, why was just my things released? I don't think he's. He's, he's going to show remorse. He's, he's already said, look, man, that stuff was old. I didn't, uh, that's not the kind of guy, you know, who I am. I think he understands what was said or what he was, what was in those emails. I I think he gets that part, but now it's just, I think it's the part that we have to look at is where is my own common privacy? I think that's what this is all about. Why is my personal things being brought out? Because they're, they're, for me, I don't know what I wrote 10 years ago, Jax. I can tell you, I don't know what I wrote 15 years ago. I think he's trying to settle that point. But it doesn't go against the original uh, or the origination origination of what this all came about was his emails of misogynist, misogynistic, mm-hmm. homophobic, um, and just, just unaware, <laughs> you know, just, just basically it may have been jokes to you, but those
2: words definitely hurt. Thoughtless. Yes, thoughtless. Yeah, there we go. That's a better way of saying it. Like Just saying whatever, whenever, however. And that level of hubris uh, gets fed by his success. Right. By the way that he's seen and, and revered and you feel untouchable uh, when you have that type of um, stature. Um, he was wrong. <laughs> he was wrong. Now, let's get complicated, shall we? Right. So we become legal scholars for a minute. Yeah, let's go. Because it matters. A lot of things are at play here. So first of all, um, the NFL is unique, right? Yes, they in are. Its, in its, Absolutely. And <laughs> it's antitrust exemption, right? Like it just, it's it's not a corporation. It's an association. Yes. And because of that, um, you have the league, you have its 32 members. So there's these 33 bodies that are floating around. There was a waiver that Gruden signed, releasing the Raiders from further adjudication. The NFL can argue now that that general lease of claims against the Raiders <laughs> benefit the other members of this unincorporated association. Now, this is if they're able to stay in federal court. Right. So I assume Team Gruden now is saying, oh no, no, no. Let's do this in state court. And it, it, we'll do it in Nevada. We'll do it yeah. in New York, we'll <laughs> do it in Virginia, Maryland, no. whatever, whatever But I assume Team Gruden's trying to stay out of federal court so this protection is not available.
0: Yeah. They want to do it in in, in Nevada court, Nevada State Court. Because gotcha. if they do it there, like you mentioned, it is different than the federal antitrust that the NFL gets. It's I always say it's not 32 individuals, it's 32 in one home. They put <laughs> them all in one yeah. home. And we get taxed on one home rather than being taxed as 32 individuals. That's the part that I've learned in the process of the NFL. So this is going to be an interesting one, how this case plays out, <laughs> just because of, honestly, what what it did for a lot of players. And, and the Raiders, uh, on top of that, they've, they've been through it as a football team, especially over the last couple weeks, Jacks I mean, they've had not only the Gruden firing, they've also had um, another player in Henry Ruggs who – driving under the influence and uh, reckless DUI, you know, killed someone, basically. Mm -hmm. I don't have the proper terminology, but, you know, it killed someone growing at a high rate of speed. Mm -hmm. And they had another player, Damon Arnett, who was released because there was a video circulating with him with a bunch of guns in his home saying, you come over my house, I'll kill you with giving someone death threats. This has just been a lot for the Raiders franchise. You're talking to a guy who was drafted there. So I always have those ties there. But I think how it kind of focuses and, and plays out, you know here for us is that you know the issues that are taking place with this team is it, it's, it's, it's on many different levels because you have what's going on with Gruden first of all. Then you have what's going on with Ruggs, another young African-American male who probably was going to spend a long, t- just dreams of, of a career ahead of him now, long, long, just gone, just gone because of one mistake in which he made that cost someone their life that, that I know saying. he probably, he wishes he could do it. Oh, then another young you know guy, guns and money and music videos and all that. And the Raiders said, no, we can't, we can't go down this road anymore. And so Now, the focus when you look at this team is there's a lot on these players. And, Jack, I don't know how I'm supposed to do my job when I have a lot of this hanging over me. And the Raiders have lost the last two games. (laughs) I don't get into the NFL topic on year, but they've lost the last two games. But my thing is, what about the psyche of the players? Like, what's the mental state of the players? Having to answer questions about John Gruden and him now suing the NFL, answering questions about... A guy who you spent time with, working with the last couple of years, and Henry Ruggs and what he has to face, and the emotions of a guy who, whose life may be gone and be, but will be behind bars, and then another guy who's just young and making crazy, you know, videos on on uh, social media, and I'm saying, man, <laughs> I'm supposed to play football now, <laughs> you know, and I'm supposed to play football, and clearly they've. I've watched them the last couple of weeks and they're not the same football team. So, yes, clearly everything has affected this team. And going forward, how do you find a way to just say, you know what, I got to worry about me? And that's that's hard because everything is always about team. But this is something that you're like, I got to worry about myself right now.
2: The other part of this that makes total sense to me, if you're the National Football League, going back to the Gruden case is you cross your fingers, mm-hmm. your toes, your <laughs> shoestrings, okay. your purse strings, All right. that you can keep this thing in arbitration. Yeah, And I think even a state judge versus a federal judge would appreciate at least... I don't know if it benefits anyone for the public. It doesn't even benefit Gruden for the right. public to sit here and understand... What has Gruden decided the dollar figure is his legal team and him, right. Um, that needs to be recouped, uh, because he's never coaching again. Correct, I don't know what's available to him. Something is in this day and age, you can wash anything off you, right? Right, so there'll be a bar stool or some betting <laughs> agency or something that just doesn't worry about. Regular oh, yeah. human activity or public backlash. <laughs> right. And just like, yeah, no, we're down here anyway. So come yeah, on. We <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah. how much money is he trying to recruit and how will that make him? How would we, the public receive that on top of the NFL? Just standard operating procedure doesn't want big money interests in the street. I wonder how a judge weighs that even in the wild, wild west.
0: Yeah, that's going to be interesting. You know, Gruden had signed a 10-year contract for $100 million. So, yeah, a lot of money. He only got four years into it. So we're talking about roughly $60 million left on that contract. Now, how does he recruit? That's a lot of money to recruit. We're talking about over half that deal still being left out there. So that's something that I think that, you know, he he wants to recoup, but also just understand why, too. You know why did the NFL feel the need to have to pressure him to resign which we know why but how did it all come about? You know how why my emails? Who was the one person that a leak in this? Why did the New York Times and all these different places have the emails but yet I can't see the emails. That's that's the tough part. I love uh, the
2: court system It's not always fair. No. I love watching it work, though. And so it's going to be really interesting in this high-level legal maneuvering with all of this dough. (laughs) that's going to be at stake to see exactly how this rolls. We'll take our first break here on forward progress. Uh, The Saints Camp Jordan is working on, has been working on for some time, improving uh, the police-community relations on the banks of the Mississippi, there in New Orleans. That's how you say it, by the way, don't don't New Orleans it, okay? <laughs> New Orleans. And I'm excited to talk about his work, but also uh, we're gonna hear about it as well. Um, it, it's, it's wonderful, it's challenging, and quite honestly, the hardest part is enduring and keeping everyone involved uh, from an energy standpoint the ability to uh, get everybody community to trust and buy in Um, law enforcement not to roll its eyes and really get into something that's going to elevate their connection to the people that they are to protect and serve we'll talk about that and a little bit more as forward progress continues
1: You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio.
2: We march on here on Forward Progress. Morrison Jackson talking about what's happening in the streets in New Orleans. And and Kirk, Cam Jordan of the Saints uh, has kept the mantra rolling, the beat of social justice rolling. Um, this Inspire Change initiative from the NFL is keeping an eye on it, a four-part docuseries. We're going to hear a little bit of it in just a little bit about Jordan's work toward improving police-community relations in the area. Um, it, it It's awesome to watch these young people, and they are now young people to me more yeah. than ever, <laughs> uh, even though they are professional athletes, uh, to not just go to their city, but buy into their city. I know, Listen, this business is rough, right? Yeah. You can get cut on a dime. Correct. You can get traded without, you know, at a certain point in your career, without a whole lot of discussion. Uh, uh, but when guys buy in, and 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 cities that need that type of buy-in, right, right. from from their from their high-profile professionals, um, it's awesome. And New Orleans is one of those places. And it, it's awesome to see the Jordan last summer and all the tumult, tumultuous activity reached out to the mayor's office asking. How are we going to do something that's sustainable? Right. You know, we can sit here and march to make placards and public address dynamics. But what can we do to get um, the city's, as he's seen it, most challenging issue yeah. into a better place? Talking about, of course, uh, community and, and police relations. And he's at the forefront and center of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, how can he go out and make meaningful change? Right. There's always, you know, ways out there that guys want to get involved with and do things to help. But he says, I want to make meaningful change. I want to make change that lasts over generations. Right. That's that's the kind of work that, you know, he's trying to do in terms of being in the city of New Orleans where he spent his career since 2011. You know, he's come into a situation where he's seen what New Orleans has had to go through and the, the economic part of it. The, uh, you know the tragic part of it because we've seen different times where you know the New Orleans Saints, for people who don't know, they, they were thrown from their homes the beginning part of the season. They didn't play a home game Jacks for the first month of the season in New Orleans
2: remember.
0: because of the, the hurricane that ripped through there. So he's been through a ton to where it's like look, I want to make sure I'm doing I'm part of the change that's meaningful, whether it's helping people recover from the hurricanes that have been through there, whether it's the 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 police initiative, the reform. How can I help where my city needs me the most? Yeah. And that's where I think that he's doing now. But I think what's great about it is bringing us all along for the ride, too, which we don't necessarily get a chance to see. We can hear guys. Oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But say no.
2: I'm going to show you what we're doing so you can see, so you can help and get involved as well. Yeah. The higher levels of the NFL's uh, social responsibility areas are run by Anna Isaacson. She said, Cam Jordan has been a pillar mm-hmm. in the new Orleans community during his entire career with the saints. And we are thrilled about his commitment to making change in police community relations. That, that is a thin line that the NFL yeah. tends to, you know, want to avoid. So I'm glad that the vice president, uh, senior vice president from the NFL of social responsibility says exactly what's happening, not trying to make it something, something else. Let's listen in right now uh, to some of the great work uh, that Cam and the city of New Orleans are working on.
3: The city when I first got here, it was a lockout year. That was different. We literally got here and got the playbook, and then the next day, like, we couldn't have any contact with the Saints. So I was 21... And like, hey, this is going to be your city. Oh, by the way, don't talk to us. And so then I had to make connections within the city. But it's, it's home. I mean, it's somewhere that, you know, people embrace you. It's like the food. It's the culture. It's the people, the personalities. You could be at a bar having a drink and somebody will eventually invite you to a crawfish boil. Like, it's just that friendly. When you think about my five-year-old who was born here, went, like, you know, Almost six years ago, I was a kid. I was 24 when we we found out. You know, that sort of transforms the way you look at stuff. It it goes from, hey, it's just about me, to, bro, I don't want him to face anything that I've ever faced that was a negative light. These are things that you wish you didn't have to address at such a young age. I wish I could turn on the TV and we just watch Power Rangers all day, but we turn on news, the news is flooded with these unjust situations that we've been put in. Whether that be from Ayanna Stanley Jones to Alden Sterling, and of course, George Floyd. There's so many different cases, and it's just force fed to you. And you're watching, and you're, like, you're like, yo, my five year old can't see this, but at the same time, you have to understand like, what you may be faced with and what you may, hopefully, God forbid, you never go through. They breathe. Uh, get up and get in the car. Mama. Get up and get Mama. in the car right. Thank you all so much uh, for being here. I'm joined uh, this afternoon by our one and only Cam Jordan, representing himself, as well as the New Orleans Saints. And in the wake of the protests, I'll have to go back there last year, Cam reached out to my office immediately. He said, let's do more, what can I do? And let me tell you, that's something that any mayor anywhere would embrace, second to none. Thank you, Cam. So we're excited to support the Crescent City Corps, a fellowship program that focuses on anti-racist leadership development, community engagement, and of course, reimagining public safety. And this is being provided directly to our police officers. Come on. In my football playing career, I think about um, the saying about being 1% better every day. 1% better every day in some facet can always lead to a positive impact, a positive change. Um, and I feel like we have a chance to create a positive impact in this way, I'll be learning just like they will be. I'll be trying to bring in as much attention and bring in as much knowledge as I can to myself to understand exactly what's going through. I've had, you know, four kids here. They are New Orleanians. So when they look back at it, I would want them to say, hey, we try to do something that, you know, was gonna make them proud.
1: It's been a long journey to get to this place. I'm so grateful to be here with y'all. My name's Brent Godfrey. I started Crescent City Core several years ago. I think it's just important that as we're coming together and building this container for this conversation, that you bring your whole selves to this experience, and you also speak up for what you need and what you hope this can be, and continue building towards the the just, safer, more inclusive world that I think a lot of us got into this work to begin with. So, what's the DNA of what City Corps is about. It's about leadership, it's about community engagement, it's about racial equity, exploring how racial oppression and the history of racism in our country shapes lots of the systems that we're a part of, and then what's going on in those systems that are informing the way that we do our work. How do we need to build relationships with people in those systems to think collaboratively about how we're addressing this stuff? Because I think you all know from your life on the streets of the city that police can't do this job on their own, which is to say, keeping our city safe and healthy, and neither can anyone else in any of the other systems. I hope to gain an insight from other officers' perspectives.
3: I think that me coming into the job, I had a perspective where I agree with the thought that unarmed Black people shouldn't be getting slain in the streets by police officers and the people that we trust. However, there's always a second side to all of those encounters, so just to, to get other officers with more experience on the streets and know what their thoughts are, I look forward to that concept as well as how to become a better leader in the community and what the community looks for us to do. So I'm Christopher Coleman. I'm from Pasco, Mississippi. I'm one of those people that if you offer training, I'm going to sign up for it. I knew, again, me not being from here. I could definitely benefit from something like this. So I, I immediately jumped on it and signed up. This is going to better any officer. My dad joined the force in 1988. And back then, uh, I don't know if y'all realized, but our badges just say New Orleans Police and then Officer and then your badge. Back then, it was Patrolman. Just the fact that they've realized that Patrolman was one-sided and it didn't realize that we were open and we were hiring women. It just shows where the department has come from, where we're going and how we're continually looking to better ourselves. When you think about their everyday policing, every everyday jobs, and how they can go about being affected by hopefully this training. I mean, we talk about anti-racist, you talk about leadership training, like equality training. I think CCC uh, does a great job of making it feel that this is an open space, make it feel that this is inclusive, it's okay to not only uh, be heard, but hear other officers. I want us to be thinking about what are the values that we hold that's gonna allow us to be engaging in these conversations. So I want you to write down three values that you hold that you feel like is important for you to be able to show up today and for the rest of your time that we're together. And then just pick one of those that you're gonna share out to the group. Hey, I'm Desi. A lot of people know me by Guzman or Goosey. (laughs) I chose courage um, because sometimes we feel like we don't have a voice. A lot of officers would not want to participate in a program like this because we in general feel like our voice is not heard as officers. When you are part of a system that you feel like you're upon. You don't belong in the politics version of it and so a lot of the the work that we were used to doing as far as community engagement doesn't quite work the same way when it's a political change so we have a a new mayor then we have a new chief of police so it's no consistency going on
1: i'm uh i'm aaron jones uh i'm a football fanatic always wanted to go to lsu play for the saints i ended up playing at the small school and Muskogee, Oklahoma, called Big Cone College. And it makes me realize it's really not about where you go, but what you do when you get there. And uh, especially being on the platoon makes me realize how much I can relate football to being on the platoon with with teamwork. I'm all about teamwork. Hey, y'all, I want to introduce to you guys
3: Cam Jordan, New Orleans Saints player, sponsor of all program. When I think about this training and how open it is, it's that locker room feel that I've been saying um, that I wish everybody could feel. It's that idea that it's not a us versus them, it's, it, it can possibly be a we. And that's what we're fighting for, or that's what we're pushing for, that's what I'm pushing for, that's what I'm hoping for. And the insight that even this first day has provided gives me some sort of hope. I'm all about New Orleans, I'm all about Metairie. I mean, now I've got kids that are from New Orleans, and that's not about what we do, it's about how we can affect our future. I know exactly what my foundation is. It's always been legacy. I'm family driven. You're gonna see reflection of what I think, you know, I, how I should carry myself to, how I do carry myself is all from what I was able to watch. Whether it be the way, you know, my, my pops carry stuff or my moms carry things. Um, their, don't, their do's, their don'ts, all of it is, is what you see in me. We don't have to go in a circle. I'll just kind of open it to what other people kind of need in order to engage with each other over your six months together. We, um, we all kind of agree on having an open mind. I think just remembering to have an open mind to people's uh, discussions since we're about to get really uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> Enjoy our time together. This is really refreshing, you know? and for it to be all, you know, police officers in the community.
3: It's, uh, we should value that. What this can bring um, is that hopeful insight that we can get beyond these negative connotations of the shield. But everything that we think about, you know, how a city or a community could be policed, I think there's a better way, there's always a better way to do it. And then that being said, I mean, what better way to try and help an interpersonal relationship or a community embrace its policing entity than maybe start off with something like this. It's why I'm hopeful.
2: Listen, the... Work has to be collaborative, right? Correct. It can be a brainchild of Cam Jordan, but you've got to get people in the dirt, right, involved. And I I mean that in, we're talking about pillars of the community. We're talking about the police force. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about elected officials. um, And and really just people living up and down the street. Kirk, we're we're doing this type of training in Miami um, with the, the city of Miami police. And there's a lot of county police and all these other municipalities, but starting with the core of the city and, and the heat or, you know, taking care of the financial responsibility of the training, bringing in uh, recently asking team employees who live in the city of Miami to come be a part of this training and growth. And that's the part of it that's probably the hardest to sustain. First, you have to pull down the distrust, right? Mm-hmm that may be embedded in the people particularly in the most under-resourced areas where there seems to be so much just clawing for whatever little bit there is available and that calls unrest and 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 crime and then what I couldn't imagine is uh, that, that and it's been articulated to me the younger generation of police that are coming out of academy that Unfortunately, are focused more because of what we see and feel all the time on their lives than the job and the de-escalation that then keeps everybody safe. And so there's there's a lot to unpack, you know, in this type of community police togetherness training.
0: No, I, I agree. There's a lot to unpack, but there's a lot of trust that needs to be rebuilt, and th- I think that's one of the things that we've seen throughout our country is that there has been this, this divide between protect and serve and to protect the community that needs to be helped and not thrown or looked at differently. One of the other uh, situations that I was thinking about too when it comes to um, just, just what we've seen and witnessed over this awakening uh, or since the George Floyd murder, is we've heard the term defund the police we've heard that a lot everywhere defund the police defund the police and, and divisive terminology here. yes <laughs> and when i hear that i'm hearing are you taking away the resources are you taking is it the salary away? what do we, when we say defund the police and i think that this is also part of what cam and, and people are trying to get in and understand is that we're not saying defund the police in terms of take away that and, and and put money elsewhere, it's saying that, hey, let's divide it up and let's make sure that we're getting the proper training as well. To your point, Jax, that there's proper training that goes. I'm not saying that what police officers do is easy. That is a difficult job, very difficult job. And I think that we're trying to make sure that there's proper training to understand and who you're dealing with that not everybody is always a threat. Not everybody is, because we've seen it way too many times on, you know, just reading stories every single day, it feels like, of mistreatment by the police. But a lot of times, it's because the training has not taught them or has shown them some areas. You can only do so much, right? <laughs> like, you, you, you've been following, doing basketball for a long time, Jax. I've been doing football. It's like, we know the, the basics of our job But I couldn't just go right there and just do it like the experience that I've gotten on the job has helped me get better. But there's still certain situations that you have to like, oh, like I see I learn something every time. And I don't know if I would have learned that as a young person in the business or as a young cop. So learning and trying to get more information, learning and getting more help, more programs to help me do my job better. That's what I think this is really needs to hit on. And that's what I think they're doing is having the initiatives and the understanding of how the job can be done better, but how could the community help as well?
2: The wonderful work that Jordan and Crescent city core and the police are doing, it's being captured in this docuseries. You heard a little bit of it. Um, It first aired last week. It's going to run for four weeks with new episodes, on NFL Network's uh, Thursday Night Football first look, which is three to five Eastern Time, which is really early out west, baby. You're watching that thing around noon. Right? Okay. Oh yeah, early, early. Um, the extended episodes will air uh, the following day, so Fridays on NFL.com. So check that out. Uh, we we go uh, trifecta, you betcha, with the <laughs> National Football League uh, today, and <clears throat> apparently our our Thanksgiving. Surprise or or continued feast on November 29th on Monday Night Football uh, will be a a performance at halftime. All right. So we're we're blowing it out over there on the worldwide leader. All right. Uh, We'll get into a very interesting naming of that entertainment as we continue on here on Forward Progress.
3: You're listening to SiriusXM Radio.
1: We now return to forward progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison.
2: Thanks for hanging with us all the way through forward progress, Morrison Jackson. And, you know, there are times when I look at the major sports entities and they're when they're in full entertainment mode. I'm like, man, when they sit in these rooms, like do they get the young people out or the old heads always around going, yeah, one more time (laughs) with rolling stones. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, like it just, I don't, you know, sometimes I'm, I i don't know the process and sometimes I'm yawning and sometimes I'm super, you know, pleased. And I go, all right, right. Listen, this is awesome. I, I kind of like the entertainment platforms to have diversity, you know, Correct. even you know, particularly the Super Bowl, like have two or three acts yeah. that allow, you know, to everyone, as many people as you can. Hip hop just cuts through the culture, right? I mean, I kid with black folks all the time. Uh, Hip hop wouldn't have survived without white white kids. You gotta, you gotta have these young folks buy in, right? For it to be as mainstream and powerful as it's become over the last thirty years, particularly, um, there, there is a cross cultural um, love affair right. with uh, with black music uh, that has started since the beginning, right? When they just call it race music, right? <laughs> the kids would be down and it's the sock hop trying to the sock hop, woo. Little, little Richard <laughs> cuts, those James Brown cuts. You hit me uh, with the sock hop, man. Woo. Come on, ah. man. I took it all the way back. Yeah. Uh, this all ties into an announcement this week from the Washington football team um, that Wale will perform at halftime of its Monday night football game at home there in uh, in D.C. against the Seahawks on November 29th. First of all, it's just nice to have a bigger show. You know, right. Monday night football, uh, for whatever reason, uh, has a bit of a shadow with Sunday night football. It's and and listen, the main reason is matchups. You know, but hopefully mm-hmm. that's something they'll address here in the the next round of negotiation. Make sure you get flex for everybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah, um, Washington uh, connected again with the NFL's Inspire Change initiative. Kudos for using it. Uh, this is what the league launched in 2019 to identify meaningful ways to strengthen local communities and the greater society. So uh, Wale, who I see everywhere, by the way. I see him in Brooklyn. Okay, I see him up and down the Coast Seaboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. For everybody except the teams I love. Um, he's a D.C. native and a longtime uh, Washington football team fan. And uh, and he's going he's gonna to go back, reach back a little bit and bang down Sue me. <laughs> Which the, the team says delivers a message of support uh, for the black community, and so it, it's it's this has all been well thought out and well connected, and and I want to at least provide some kudos for some forward thinking.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's also bringing the the uh, African American community um, in that area, the DMV, right, the uh, DC, <laughs> Maryland, and Virginia area, to get everybody out a little bit and to. You know, see a familiar face, uh, a person who was from where they are from. You know, Wale is a Washington football team fan uh, through and through. And so to hear him performing and, you know, really taking into what the NFL has been trying to do in their Inspire Change initiative. Like this is something that's where it starts at. Someone in the in their own community who's been there, who's seen it and wants to inspire that change throughout. And so being on a big stage of Monday night football, uh, a standalone and and having it be broadcast to everyone. Now, usually I've been different games this season and you have a halftime act, but you know, no one's watching it, you know, because everybody's getting up and they're walking around to to go use the restroom, take a break, but this is going to be broadcast. And so you'll be able to see uh, the initiatives of what the NFL has been talking about and that making these, acts and songs and community togetherness. That's what I say. This is about community togetherness because how many times have we seen a, a football team or basketball, they bring out the local artists and it's just, just to bring them out for show, but they're bringing them out and, and letting him do his music. right? How many times, hey, you can't do this? No, song. we'll shoot them in the, in the seats and get get <laughs> <Yeah>. away. <laughs> you no, know. nah, you can do your song <laughs> this time, man. You can do yeah. your song because we know what... The, the, what what good it's brought. We know that you're bringing in and putting, putting a focus on social justice. And I think that's the, the big part here. He's able to do, uh, you know, what he's been doing in terms of bringing that, that energy, and that positivity
2: and getting people the awareness that that's, that's needed. Yeah. Inspire change. We want to recall has delivered over $160 million in grants since its launch. And in 2020, the NFL committed an additional $250 million, a quarter billion dollars over the next decade to help advance social justice. Uh, this halftime show is going to serve as the main event uh-huh. uh, of a day-long schedule of Inspire Change events, which will focus on uh, the team's efforts in Washington to uh, lead on social justice matters and increase access to opportunity for all across uh, the DMV. And it's going to be interesting to see how this all rolls out because it sounds big, right? It sounds right. like massive and wow, but what are those unique and individual things that will happen on this in this full schedule of, of the team's plans for events leading up to the game? Well, um, we'll see those as we get a little bit closer. But uh, at the end of what is always a hectic holiday weekend, all right? Man. And I'm doing Thanksgiving on the road this year with the family, all right? Off to Chicago as the Heat Mm -hmm. face the Bulls on uh, Thanksgiving Saturday. So um, I I feel, I'm already feeling the anxiety of of (laughs) the family looking at me and going, Let's get to the mile on Friday. Let's get to the magnificent. Let's not. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's not do that. Right.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. I'll, I, I'll have a broadcast. I just don't know where <laughs> uh, because the television holds. So as we tape uh, this show now, I usually don't find what the uh, schedule is for me uh, out until six days before. That's just the way these TV people do it. Wow, uh, they I put these it. holds on. So, But I will be with the family on Thanksgiving. So that's. Always a good thing to sit around and, and, and you know, f- food and, and family and laughter and togetherness and obviously some football, which will be uh, something that we'll be uh, watching throughout. So hopefully I, uh, you know, everything is smooth when it comes to travels and everyone's out there really just safe
2: too. you know, taking it all in. So we can enjoy the holiday. Um, so this is our opportunity. To note and be thankful, and 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 at the top of the list, man, I just love that we are over a year of being able to have this discussion every single week. We we shouldn't forget that this all started as a series of roundtables that um, that our bosses at our respective networks brought us all together. Yeah, and said, let me let's find these dynamic voices. I'm I'm happy to say that's what we are. (laughs) Dynamic. Um, I like it. I like that. That are willing to. Have hard and fair and Correct. thoughtful discussions about race in a place where most people they want elbow room, right? I still see a couple pot shots every week when our show is posted um, on NBA, on NFL, on Mad Dog, on Fight Nation, uh, not so much on uh, the Urban Channel because they're expecting us right? <laughs> right. <laughs> We're coming in, right? <laughs> Talking about yeah. things that we talk about on Urban View. But for all the places this show finds itself, um, I I still respect the fact that this is not what people show up for. I hope they stay for it. Right. I hope they appreciate a thoughtful discussion about the men and women who perform for us, who want to use their platform to do wonderful things in the community. That's the thing that I never really will get to. I'm willing to have the conversation about time and place, right? Yeah. But are we really going to have a debate about if we should be discussing the cross section of the brown and black faces that perform for you in these sports worlds. I mean, yeah,
0: that's, that's a non-starter for me. I think even more so you mentioned it's been over a year. And I think for me, I also tend to brag a little bit, you know, bragging about the show that we do here on Sirius XM to a point where I feel like I'm out recruiting more folks (laughs) to come on board, come, come jump on and and talk with us and speak with us because we we've done a great job here already, but I think there are still more folks who have stories to be told, uh, initiatives that are being done, uh, and they don't get the same kind of publicity, maybe as some of the sports leagues do, uh, or the, the professional sports leagues, I should say, but on the high school level, the college level, junior college level, uh, we've, we've, we've talked with HBCUs and some of the initiatives. And I think there's even more out there that have that opportunity to come and just listen. Just come listen to what's going on in the, your local area, uh, statewide, your region. There's just a lot more. And I think that's kind of what I've been bragging about, having right. the opportunity to be able to try to bring more folks in to have these discussions that, that honestly, Jacks, it's different. It's different in every part. You know, I, people in certain parts of the country don't have these discussions or honestly not really truly aware. You know, I was having this discussion with a person in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. All right. There are still protests in Portland, by the way. People are still protesting in Portland daily, yeah. but it's not of the, uh, it's not as newsworthy. It's not anything to where people want to broadcast it, but there are people who still Go out and protest change every single day that may are still not getting heard because it's not newsworthy. It's not, you know, on the headline of CNN or headline news, but they still have things that they want to talk and discuss
2: about. The thing that's interesting, and we should know, by the way, if you are hearing this and you have an organization that we haven't heard of, absolutely. I'm blowing up our boys' email box uh, (laughs) Purnell.Brown at SiriusXM.com, Purnell P E. R N E L L does a great job of unearthing these things, but it's really cool when he gets something in his email box from somebody that uh, has an initiative that we wouldn't have heard of. I remember early in our our first year uh, that that fantastic program about young black girls in hockey. Yes. That's not something we're going to hear about. That's a, that's a unique niche space. Uh um, A really proud space for, for the folks that are uplifting those young women in a sport that probably doesn't bang on their door regularly, but that's the type of stuff we have room for. We have room for these massive, head-explosive stories about federal versus state uh, (laughs) legal responsibilities as it pertains to Coach Gruden, but also want to have these cool conversations about a city like Birmingham um, having an opportunity to showcase itself because of a sports platform and being proud of the inroads that they've made as a city, uh, going back to their deep, dark days in the the segregated Deep South, Jim Crow and beyond, um, all the way back beyond uh, Reconstruction into slavery, moving backward on the timeline, that white folks and black folks in that town um, know that it's not perfect, but are constantly working together. And using the wonderful forum of sports to do it, uh, the gamut that we've been able to run in having these discussions, uh, it's just fantastic. And I look forward to another, uh, n- another new year being able to, to jump in these topics. So blow up Mister Brown's email box and let us hear. from mm-hmm.
0: Let me hear it one more time, Pernell. What's said? Email I think that's okay?
2: pernell.brown. Dot Brown. Bruno. At Bruno. SiriusXM.com. <laughs> that man is yes, hot man. at us right now. Oh, I know he is. you going to have everybody all up and up. And now he's got to vet all these organizations and everything. But I, I, I do believe it's such a unique platform. Correct. that we're so blessed and honored to be able to be the stewards of along with Purnell. It's it's important. No, it,
0: it's important indeed. And um, I look forward to this every single week, uh, yeah. being able to discuss what we see and, and just highlight it and make sure that that conversation is always ongoing and never
2: stops. My man, have safe travels, had a, a great Thanksgiving uh, to Daniela Baez, who's always with us, and Purnell Brown, happy Thanksgiving and a safe one to each of you and everyone who is tuned in. Uh, so on behalf of those fantastic individuals as well as kirk morris and my partner i'm jason jackson happy thanksgiving and we'll talk to you next time